Hello, my name is Sam Clements and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picture House podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. Welcome to our December edition of the show. Wow, it's the end of the year, guys. We did it. A full year of podcasting. There are a few special episodes to drop on this feed. Please, as always, keep your eyes peeled. Subscribe if you don't already. We do appreciate a subscription. Also, if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or an app which allows you to rate, maybe, maybe you know, drop a, drop a little review. That would be lovely to read. Maybe a five-star rating would be very nice to see those. Uh, a lovely Christmas treat, which doesn't cost anything, uh, just a few seconds of your time. On this month's episode, we will be reviewing a handful of titles coming to your local picture house cinema this December. There is one title missing, a big one, uh, which is Avatar The Way of Water, but at the time of recording, the film has not yet been screened, so we cannot review that on this episode, but maybe later in the month, uh, we might include it in sort of an end-of-year roundup. So watch this space for that but there are a load of great films coming to your local picture house in december and lots of christmas classics as well so on this month's episode i am joined by film critics jasmine valentine and paul klein who will go through uh, a few of the titles coming to the cinema and and then we'll also talk about some of our favorite uh, christmas movies which are also screening as part of picture house's christmas season our first film is an award-winning title uh, played at the Cannes Film Festival earlier this year, won a special uh, 75th uh, Celebration of Cannes uh, trophy, and it's uh, it's a new film from the Dardenne brothers, Jean-Pierre and Luc Dardenne. It's called Tori and Lakita. It's in cinemas on the 2nd of December, so if you're listening to this podcast on day of release, it's in cinemas right now, and here's what Jasmine and Paul thought of the film. Okay, Paul. So, what did you think, Tori and Nikita? Let's hear it. I missed this at LFF, and I don't know why I missed this because I thought it was really nice. I don't. I know. I don't know how else to describe it. But like nice, nice, yeah, nice. I'm absolutely heartbreaking. Were you not just ready to weep into your Kleenex by a sort of the hour mark in? I was yeah. a goner. Yeah, but I cry at everything. So I mean, <laughs> I I cry at the John Lewis advert. So it's <laughs> stuff like this always gets me. I don't know about you, but like, well, I think it was just one of those ones that. I mean, it, did it make you more curious to learn about the Dodden brothers themselves? Because when I Googled them and sort of did a bit more research, them and the subject matter, I just, I don't know how they got such a sort of personal and detailed look at what they're exploring. It made, it made me want to explore more of their, their stuff because I, I don't, I, I don't think I've seen much or know much about them. I've seen nothing. And also, I don't know that much about Belgium. <laughs> just just the whole country. <laughs> Where even is it? <laughs> Paul, tell me 
roughly what happens. No spoilers, please, in Tori and Nikita. Okay, so short pitch, it's about these two young people from Africa and they find themselves obviously in Belgium and the hardships they endure there. How do you think they cast this? I mean, I didn't look too much into how, you know, the acting credits, but I sort of feel like we're watching two relative newbies give like the breakout performance of their careers. Uh, to me, it felt like watching kind of like fly on the wall documentary, not workshopped. I think that's that's probably a horrible way of putting it, but like they're playing very close to who they are as people within a slightly fictionalized setting, if that makes sense. So a bit like a, almost like a Mike Lee type thing where you have someone kind of playing who they are, but with a different name. It's not too acted, I think. But they are still very good. Yeah, they are really good. And I think that sort of lends into the personal... There's a lot of... They capture like really small physical intimacies between the two. And there's just this lovely, humane, intimate feel. So perhaps it sort of leans into what you said of keeping that naturalistic element going first and foremost. You know, when you think of like foreign films... I've not seen much. Maybe th- maybe this is all just talking to my ignorance. I've not seen much about Belgium. <laughs> I don't think it exists. What would you give this out of five? Where is it sitting for you in a ratings situation? I'd say about four. I, I really want to watch it again. Yeah, me too. And it's a lovely length, like 90 minutes in out, packing all that emotion. I'd absolutely agree, four star for sure. Let's go somewhere new. See worlds we've never seen before, so that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. Thank you very much, Jasmine. Thank you, Paul, for your thoughts. If, uh, like Jasmine and Paul, if, if Tori and Lakita is your first Darden Brothers film, they, they do have a really wonderful career, but I would highly recommend checking out The Kid with a Bike. Similar in some ways to Tori and Lakita in that it features a young protagonist, but uh, everything else, <laughs> I guess, is is kind of different. But it's, it's interesting. They, they do tackle sort of people living on, on the fringe of society uh, in a really sort of authentic and naturalistic way. And, and I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of their work. I adored Tori and Lakita, and uh, I've seen it a couple of times now. 88 minutes long. It's an easy one to uh, to pop on and, and, and watch. But if you like Tori and Lakita, check out their previous filmography. And yes, would highly recommend The Kid with a Bike. Up next, another film which graced the festival circuit. This is Corsage, directed by Marie Kreutzer, starring Vicky Creeps, who picked up the best performance at the Cannes Uncertain Regard uh, strand at the Cannes Film Festival earlier this year. A wonderful film in cinemas on Boxing Day, so the 26th of December, but Picture House will have previews on the 18th uh, of December, and I do highly recommend checking it out as soon as humanly possible. I'll hand over to Jasmine and Paul uh, to hear what they thought of Corsage. Jasmine, what did you think of Corsage? Okay, so let's rewind a sec. (laughs) Corsage is looking at Empress. Her name's Elizabeth, isn't it? I've completely forgotten already. 
of Austria. Elizabeth with an S, which is always like... Elizabeth with an S, very classy. You feel like you should pronounce that differently, like Elizabeth. (laughs) In the 1870s. And it's basically a look at why she was so unhappy during her royal stint and the fact that she was paraded around, you know, descends into this horrible journey of personal pain and... So I'm coming at this as somebody that doesn't really like a period drama. Do you like the period dramas, typically? I don't mind period dramas. I am quite against any idea of a royal family. So my back was up immediately like, oh, are you a sad, rich, royal person? I don't think it comes across like that, though. No, it doesn't. I I had my, my walls were broken down by... I like Vicky Creeps, so that was kind was of say. that was kind of my my immediate thing was ooh it's her from uh, from Phantom Thread and she looks unimpressed. She's absolutely fantastic in this though, and I think the whole film hinges on her performance. But what I was going to say is, as a non period drama fan, I think this is a really accessible film to enjoy if that's not your bag. I don't know. I think it's because it rides so much on the personal tone rather than the history of it. Would you agree? Yeah. And all the way through, I found myself going, I I feel like maybe more of this is fictionalised than is fact. A lot of that era as well is sort of up in the air anyway. So yeah, absolutely. And they've. I feel like they've taken a real artistic license like they play around with different kinds of films and there's some really intimate moments that we learn more about her character because of how they've chosen to style it and obviously the locations i mean they get out into some really nice austrian countryside as well austria is a very nice country it is a very nice country it's a beautiful country and we get to see a lot of its you know landscape and history which is also very nice because i always think the beginning and the ending are the two most important things if you start strongly people won't walk out and if you end strongly people will remember it and I actually kind of felt I I don't know I was smiling at the end the end had me smiling I'm not sure everyone will come out with that reaction but maybe I think just tonally the whole film kind of left me with like a ah (laughs) I think it might be Vicky Vicky Creeps has this like reaction face where she just immediately looks like she's about to say something really horrible regardless of the situation. And I think that that's what carried me through the film was, she's going to do something funny now. (laughs) Well, there we go. It's a testament to her acting skills and it's certainly a film worth checking out for sure. I'm glad to hear that Vicky Creeps resonated with Paul and Jasmine as much as uh, her performance did with me and and the whole cast. It's really, really wonderful film, really sumptuous filmmaking in Corsage. It reminded me, and maybe this is an obvious comparison, of Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette. And to be fair, quite a lot of Sofia Coppola's film she uses, she shoots on film like Corsage it does, and it's all quite sort of sumptuous. And whilst it is a period film, it feels modern and fresh, uh, similar to Emily, if you saw that earlier uh, this year. And uh, and it also reminded me of things like, like Barry Lyndon, Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon, which does sound incredibly highfalutin and, and very high praise but but just in terms of how it's shot you know, it's all shot on location or you know like the sets are made 
in real locations and and there isn't too much additional lighting like it's got that naturalistic lighting which Barry Lyndon is famous for and uh, and yeah I just had a I had a good time I, I would also say with Corsage please stay during the end credits there is a, it's not like a Marvel sting a cameo from you know Samuel L Jackson or someone uh, it's uh, it's it's just a really great credit sequence and a lovely piece of music over the end of the film as well so um, just a nice reason to stay in your seats would highly recommend but you've got to see it for Vicky Creeps she is mind-blowing in this and fingers crossed the uh, people who vote for the awards feel the same way so our third review this month this is a month of uh, films not in the English language we've got Corsage uh, which is uh, which is mostly uh, in German we've got uh, Torian Lakita which is mostly in French and uh, and now we've got Ingmar Bergman uh, famous Swedish film director's uh, epic film Fanny and Alexander which is having a re-release uh, 40th anniversary re-release in cinemas this Christmas really proud to be playing this one at Picture House I think this film's great I actually saw this film for the first time at a Picture House when I was a university student and uh, I don't know I guess they were doing a season of Bergman or something but uh but yeah it really it really stuck with me i i love this film and uh i'm really keen to hear what paul and jasmine make of it too okay paul it's a long one tell me roughly what happens in fanny and alexander everything it's <laughs> Fanny and Alexander is a Bergman film, which means it's long. And I, it's, you know, one of those great, I've based this on my life films. So it's one of those ones where if you're not already sort of slightly interested in the director, you might be, I think, a bit... Oh, that's interesting. See, I... The only Bergman that I have had anything to do with was Bergman Island following on the Vicky <laughs> Creeps line. And I hated it. So... Coming into this, I was a bit like, I was so captivated by this film. Do you think people would be sort of up in arms about an, essentially an art house film spanning over three hours? I don't have a problem with long films. I don't have a problem with short films. I have a problem with badly paced films. So where does this sit for you in terms of pacing? This, for me, I, I, fa- I found this thrilling. Like, um, yeah. Not in the sense of, like, it's a thriller, because it, it's kind of... You know, you're following the titular characters, Fanny and Alexander, who are based on Ingmar Bergman and his sister. But hang on a minute. Are you following them? Because it takes us about an hour. It's called anticipation. (laughs) No, I absolutely love that. I feel like the beginning was like La Traviata meets Tom Stoppard's Leopoldstadt in like some lovely opulent. But yeah, it did. I did sort of think, hang on a minute. Where are they? for a little while for me what i what i liked about this film and i do like bergman films in general because i i do think he's one of you know there's a reason why he's quite influential but the thing i liked about this was it's not even so much like rose tinted glasses you know when you, you know directors like to look back on themselves of course they do yeah you know like fablemans is coming out and that's going to be spielberg doing it but with this one it felt like a fairy tale in a way not just because you know you're set in like the early 20th century it's about two little kids, so you have the kind of um, 
uh, Hansel and Gretel thing going on. But even like it introduces an evil stepfather. <laughs> like no, you're right. Yeah, you know, and there's there's stuff in it as well because I think it does blend. You know, there are bits in it that I thought were really funny. You know, you're following these two siblings basically throughout life, which doesn't sound like the most thrilling thing in the world. But no, you know, when somebody gets set on fire. Well, they come from such like a bourgeois bohemian lifestyle, don't they? And there's like the guy that's farting for their entertainment and just this absolute chaos, pillow fights. And so I do like that there's quite, you know, towards that half mark, there's such a distinct turn in the sort of set, the tone, everything sort of converges into this barren lifestyle that they're thrown into which was beautiful yeah and i think that's what works is that it, it, i saw it as a fairy tale more than anything yeah. and yeah so you know when, when the evil stepfather comes in you know you're like oh okay so we're we're really in the realm of crazy and then when the aunt is literally on fire yeah which i was like this took a left turn what's going on now <laughs> But then do you think that it's a film? I was looking this up. Comes out in 1982. Things like Officer and a Gentleman were coming out in 1982. And this sort of feels like it came out in the 1930s or something. Does it feel like an 80s film to you? Yeah, I have to admit, I thought that this was a film from the 60s. Um, yeah. Just the way, the way, even just the way it's shot, the way the you know the cameras done, the lighting and stuff. I was like, oh, this is like sixties, seventies Barry Lyndon era, not you know the same era as Indiana Jones. No. <laughs> but I also think that that's quite good. I quite like that part of its charm. I think it's yeah. quite good that there's you know that there's a director staunchly going, I'm still doing it the old way. I don't care. So here's a question for you. Would you watch it again, all things considered? I would, but I think I I, I wouldn't like go straight into it now because it's an epic in runtime and also in just like the breadth of, you know, life. But I would need a bit of a gap. But I would see it again. And I do I did like seeing it on the big screen. I do think Bergman's one of those directors, a bit like Akira Kurosawa, where you kind of like, I do like seeing them in the cinema. Yeah, star rating. What are we thinking? Uh, I would give it a five. I would, you know, I think, Ooh. I think, I think we're quite fortunate in the the foreign films that we get in the UK anyway are generally good. That's why we got them, and then the ones that happen to last, you know, twenty, thirty years or more, are the really good ones. So you know, yeah, the fact that Fanny and Alexander ha- is still you know, being remastered and things, it is a great film. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we're certainly looking at, you know, the best of foreign cinema. It won Academy Awards for a reason. I feel like a four to a four and a half if we're allowing halves, which we're probably not, but, you know, Christmas is coming up. Let's treat ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Fanny and Alexander is playing as part of Picture House's Christmas season. And, uh, and yeah, we just wanted to sort of throw the season out to Jasmine and Paul and, and see what, uh, from the lineup, uh, they like the look of. So here's Paul and Jasmine on a couple of their picks from the Christmas season. Welcome to Los Angeles. Have a very Merry Christmas. So are you lady live out here? About the past six months. Why'd you go with her, man? What's up? Because I'm a New York cop. Can't just pick up and go that easy. John, I missed you. 
Have you seen the Picture House selection of Christmas films for this holiday season? I have, and it's incredibly exciting. So, What's your standout? Which one are you going to go with? My standout is Die Hard, the Christmas film to end all Christmas films. So I only first watched Die Hard a year ago. <gasps> I don't know why yet. Sorry, I'll pause for booze. And wow, it is absolutely... Amazing. I do like a Christmas film that doesn't entirely focus on Christmas and, well, Bruce Willis is throwing everything and the kitchen sink into Die Hard. But every single moment feels perfect. I don't think there's any... You don't see many films where you really cannot pick apart a flaw at all. No, it's great. Everyone in it's doing the Lord's work. Alan Rickman's first film. Was it? No. Alan Rickman's first film. Imagine first. that's your first first ever movie. Imagine that's your first movie and it's Die Hard. That is a ma- I never knew that. Trivia. That's why Rickman is the man. Tell me what you would pick. Oh, who would I pick? Muppet Christmas Carol. On the 30th anniversary as well. It's got everything you want from a Christmas film. Uh, it's got great songs. It's got ghosts. It's got Kermit the Frog. It's got Michael Caine. I think it's the perfect version of the Charles Dickens story. It's the first time you see that, that story, like the redemption of Scrooge is so perfectly done. And the fact he plays it so seriously. Oh my God, he's taking it it so seriously. He takes it so seriously. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's beautiful and it makes me cry. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode, but it would not be the love of cinema without asking our guest contributors what is currently on in cinemas that they enjoyed and what they are looking forward to watching in the coming months next year. Tell me about a film in the cinema currently that you are absolutely loving. I'm loving Luca Guadagnino's Bones and All with Timothy Chalamet. It's... Just weird, and I like weird, but yeah. you know, cannibal films. You can never have too many cannibal films. No, I think. No. I, I think. I think everyone in society will agree with that. I. I actually think it's a really well observed, like coming of age. You know, in a way, a story about addiction, but the addiction is eating people. <laughs> and I just, I thought it was lovely, and I, I, I do think that as well. It's kind of got great cinematography of landscapes. Yeah. That I think is worth seeing in cinemas. I think it looks beautiful up on the screen. And a Shakespearean level of love story, really. And Mark Rylance being really scary. Uh, he's fantastic in that film, so but scary. we can't reveal too much. For me, it's After Sun. It packs in a lot of emotion again into like, what, a 90 minute, 100 minute runtime. Also, I think it helps that the little girl in it looked like I did when. Um, I was her age. So I sort of, yeah, sort of saw myself in it. But it is the story of a young girl that's gone on holiday with her estranged dad and basically a lot of subtext in why their relationship isn't amazing and what happens to the dad. It's beautifully shot. It's Charlotte Wells' debut and... Yeah, bring your tissues is all I'll say to that. I've never been in a screen where so many people, myself included, were sobbing. I think some people are still crying from when they saw it. So tell me about, you know, we've got an exciting 2023 and December ahead for film. What stands out to you as something that you're looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to... 
Steven Spielberg's Fablemans. I love Steven Spielberg. I think he's one of the great directors of all time. And to see a movie that is basically his childhood, I cannot wait. And also just the cast. I, you know, I love Michelle Williams. I love Seth Rogen. I love Paul Dano. And I think I think it's going to be something really, really special. I'm looking forward to it. Awards, awards special. Well, it's oh, Spielberg, so. come on! It's a film. It's a film about people who like films. It's True. going to get all the Oscars. <laughs> At the end, they're going to look into the camera, going, "We like the movies," and then it gets best picture. But what about you? What are you most looking forward to? Well, I mean. We know how much of a Kate Blanchett fan I am. It has to be Tar that comes out on the 13th of January, I believe, in the UK. And she is playing a fictional conductor, Lydia Tar, who basically gets embroiled in scandal and she has things going on at home with a daughter. And it's, yeah, Todd Fields. It's another really long film, but I just have such high hopes and because it's so orchestral based i imagine the soundscape is going to be absolutely beautiful yeah kate blanchett can do no wrong again another awards contender i think she's definitely probably in for a shout so yeah a lot to be excited about in the coming months so paul this has been lovely thank you for being my podcast date where can we find you uh you can find me on any social media that exists i'm on all of them uh, Twitter, Paul Klein Yo with two O's, everywhere else, Letterbox, TikTok, Hive, all of them, uh, Paul Klein Yo with one O. Follow me. I post articles I write, I complain about things, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and if we want to follow you, Jasmine, yes. where do we find you? What are you doing? You can find me across social media at either the Jasmine Valentine or the Jazz Valentine, dependent on how strict the social media word count is for usernames. <laughs> um, I am interviewing people over at Yahoo, Zavi, doing lots of cool things. And I'm currently, at the time of recording, the acting editor of Filmhounds magazine. So filmhounds.co.uk if you want to read and purchase some amazing independent cinema material. And there we go. That's a wrap on the last main pod of 2022. Thank you very much for listening. If you've been listening, whether it's this is your first episode or you've been listening throughout the year, whether you found us through one of our interview specials or or you're just here for the monthly sort of main episodes, it's all hugely appreciated. The Picture House podcast is a labour of love for me. I started this many, many, many years ago, and it's so nice to know that people are listening. and uh, And hopefully, it's you know, it's 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 uh, it's useful. It's a good companion for going to or from the cinema. Uh, that was always the goal of this sort of to recreate those conversations that you might have with your friends on the way in or out of the cinema. It's what I love to do. It's why I love going to the cinema with some pals and then having a good old chat afterwards. Uh, just on Christmas. We've got a few special events at Picture House, including previews of Corsage, as mentioned, on the 18th. We've also got some really, really special previews, really exciting previews. You can tell I'm excited uh, about these. So just grab a pen. These are notes for your diary. On Boxing Day, we will have previews of Sam Mendes' new film, Empire of Light, which stars Olivia Colman and Toby Jones. Colin Firth looks wonderful. I have not seen it yet, but, uh, but that's a nice preview for Boxing Day. And then on New Year's Eve, we've got preview of Broker, the new film from Hirokazu Koreeda 
uh, his first film shot in South Korea, starring people like Song Kang-ho and Duna Bay, stalwart actors of Korean cinema. Uh, so do check that one out. I have seen Broker and I loved it. Uh, I got to see a very special screening with the cast and crew and uh, and yeah, I was, I was made up. I'm such a big fan of uh, director Hirokazu Koreeda and glad this one lives up uh, to the anticipation. And finally, on New Year's Day, we've got a preview of Tar, which is the new film from Todd Field, uh, who directed Little Children a number of years ago, but has been an actor, is in Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, for example, and it stars Kate Blanchett. And this performance from Kate Blanchett is much touted uh, for a Best Actress win at the Academy Awards. Again, I've seen Tar. It really blew me away. I, I loved it. I cannot wait to watch it again. I might go on New Year's Day. That would be a lovely way uh, to start the year. So we got a few previews over the holidays, as well as all of your Christmas favourites like It's a Wonderful Life, Muppet Christmas Carol, Home Alone, A Christmas Story, and, and, and many, many other films sort of in between. Also, if you're listening to this before Christmas, Picture House have a range of Christmas gifts. Uh, so if you're looking for something for the film lover in your life, head to picturehouses.com gifts or ask at the box office. Uh, we sell a range of gift cards, which you can uh, you can purchase the amount you'd like on those. That can be completely unique to your uh, your recipient. We also sell gift memberships. Our membership scheme, which is an annual membership, getting you discounts and free cinema tickets, either five or ten uh, free cinema tickets on those. Those can be purchased. And we are the only cinema company in the world to sell gift crackers, which are proper Christmas crackers with a joke and a hat and chocolate coins, but they also include a free cinema ticket and a free drink, vouchers for rather than actually putting a drink in the cracker. And that's just a nice way to liven up, uh, you know, your Christmas dinner or your Christmas party uh, with your friends and family there. So uh, so that's my, that's my plugging, but I thought as it is December, uh, these might be genuinely useful uh, for some of you listening who are looking at what to buy. Uh, over the holidays and uh, I'd say that's a, that's a wrap on the podcast thank you so much to our guest contributors Jasmine Valentine and Paul Klein appreciate your time watching our films and, and, and thank you very much for joining us for their podcast debuts on this episode thank you also to Kobe at Stripped Media we literally could not make the podcast without Kobe and, and thank you Kobe for being such a great companion throughout 2022 and for all of your hard work on the show and my voice would not be in your ears right now without our brilliant editor, Maddie Searle. Thank you so much, Maddie. Again, always a pleasure working with you. And, uh, and you, know, you, you make me sound good. You're the best person. <laughs> if you'd like to find out more about any films on at Picturehouse Cinemas, check out picturehouses.com. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can find us on social media. We're at Picturehouses on all of the main platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. We have also launched a TikTok. If you're that way inclined, you can find us at Picturehouses on TikTok. And, uh, and that's it from me. I've, I've been Sam Clements. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great Christmas. Have a great holiday season. Whatever you watch, do let us know. Always love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at picturehouses.co.uk. And we'll be back later in the month with a few special episodes and our next main episode will be released in january merry christmas